The Epistle of James, as it's called. The word epistle here simply means letter. That's all it means. It's a fancy word for letter. And you might see in, on the first page of James there, it might even say the Epistle of James. So that's just what it means. It means a letter. This is a letter James wrote. And uh, today, we're not, ne not going to get into the actual book too much because I have to give you an introduction to the book. It's always profitable that when I'm teaching or someone's teaching through a book of the Bible, that I give you the background of it. If you don't know the historical context, who's writing, who they're writing to, you might come up with a bad interpretation of certain verses or the, the whole book as a whole. So it's good to know uh, who is writing, who is writing to, and what the overall purpose of the letter is. Okay, so in the Bible, there's many different people named James. Can anyone give me an example of someone named James in the Bible? Disciple of Jesus. Disciple of the brother of John, right? Yeah, the, the son of Zebedee, also called the sons of thunder, right? Remember how their mother came to Jesus and said, can they sit at your right and your left in the kingdom? He says, not for mine to give you. And John was called the beloved apostle. He's the only apostle who didn't die a martyr's death. But this, that James that, that Jenna mentioned, the brother of John, the apostle, he died way too early to be able to write something like this. If you look at Acts chapter 12 and verse 2, it talks about the death of James, the brother of John. <clears throat> And uh, James, the brother of John, this is right here, let's look, just look at Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James, the brother of John, was the second martyr of the Christian church. Who was the first martyr? Anyone know? Stephen. Stephen. That's right. Stephen was the first martyr. And James, the brother of John, was the second one. So we've eliminated the brother of, of John to write this epistle. He did not write this. Okay? Now, when I was a, first, first year, a, new, a newly Christian, I thought that's who wrote it. I had no idea. Can anyone tell me who else named James in the Bible? John? The half-brother of Jesus. Now, what do you mean by half-brother there, John? Well, Mary was the mother of Jesus and the mother of James. Right. Uh, so, because uh, the Father in Heaven is the Father of Jesus, uh, James was not born of God. He was born of Mary and his natural father, Joseph. Joseph. So. Right. So they had J Jesus and James had the same mother, but different fathers. The father of, of Jesus obviously is God. Uh, the father of James is Joseph, Jesus's adopted father. I guess you could say his earthly father. Okay? Um, yeah, so let's look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 19. This is the book we went through uh, last time, we went through a whole book of the Bible. And this is the Apostle Paul talking about this James who wrote this epistle. He says uh, in, G in Galatians 1, 19, But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. James, the Lord's brother. Okay? Um, and he's probably the oldest brother of Jesus. Now, if you look at Matthew 13, and do a lot of turning here, so get your, get your swords ready here. Matthew chapter 13, and verse 35. And the way things worked in Jewish culture is if 
They're, you're listing a set of siblings, a set of brothers and sisters. You always list the most important or the oldest first. Okay? So in Matthew 13, 35, here we have... Um, actually, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one there. 13.55. Look at Matthew 13.55. It says this. Is, is not this the carpenter's son talking about Jesus? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are, are they not all among us? So James is listed first in this list. And the same list is given in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. You don't have to turn there, though. The same list is given there. Same situation that Mark's recording, that Matthew's recording here. So James is, is most likely the oldest brother of Jesus. He was the next one born after Jesus. After Je Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, uh, you know, they were married and they had more children. And James was most likely the first one. Okay? But while Jesus was still alive, turn to John chapter 7, John chapter 7 and verse 3. While Jesus was still alive, we're going to see what his brother thought of him. Okay, John chapter 7, and we'll start in verse 3. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For one, no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. This is the most important verse right here. For even his brothers did not believe in him. His brothers did not believe in him. So James, while Jesus was still alive, James did not believe in his brother. He did not believe in him. And, there, and there's probably some reasons for that. He was his brother. You see your brother every day. You think, you know, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was about probably 30 years old. So for 30 years, he saw nothing miraculous out of Jesus. There's no miracles done in the third. When Jesus did that first miracle in Cana of Galilee, he did that turn the water into wine. What did it say after he did that? That was his first miracle. So there were no miracles done before then. So James is like, this is just my brother. I've known him for 30 years. He's nothing special. That's probably one of the reasons. Now we turn to uh, Matthew. Oh, let's just stay here in John. John chapter 4 and verse 44. Actually, no, there's a better version of this, a more detailed version of Mark. Mark 6 and verse 4. Saying the same thing, this in more detail, which Mark does quite often. Mark talks about less situations, but when he talks about the situation, he goes into more detail than the other writers. Mark chapter 6 and verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and then his own house. See, the other readings of this, and, and uh, what Matthew and John just say, without honor, his own town. But this goes into more detail. It says, among his own relatives, and in his own house, a prophet is without honor. Probably because he knew him all along. And then you look at verses 5 and 6, what happened? Verses 5 and 6. Now, he could, not, he could do no, no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So they had so much unbelief toward Jesus, because a prophet has no honor, his own country, his own town, his own relatives, his own people, he couldn't do miracles there. Because there was so much unbelief in this situation. Okay. And then you look at Matthew chapter 12. 
in verse 46, we'll see an example of, of his family calling upon him and how he responds to it. And this shows again that they didn't believe in him. Matthew 12 and verse 46. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside, seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, seeking to speak with you. They basically are saying here, well, we think you're crazy. They're trying to stop him from doing what he's doing. They just don't believe what, what he's trying to do, what he's, who he's saying he is. But he answered and said to them, one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So he takes this, this biological mother and brothers and sisters, says, No, my real brothers, my real sisters, my real mothers, not in literal fashion, figuratively, they, they people who are following God, who are obeying God. That's why often in the streets we hear people say, Well, I'm a child of God. God created me. Well, in some sense, every person created is a child of God because they were created by God in their mother's womb. But in another sense, only those who obey the will of the Father who are God's children. It's those who are God's spiritual children and the other ones who God created who are not following God, what are they? They're children of the devil, the Bible says. Children of the devil because they're not following Jesus Christ. So this was... James, but what, what do you think happened to James after Jesus died and rose from the grave? Let's find out. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. See what the Apostle Paul says about this. And we'll start in verse um, 3 and read through verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul talking about the gospel he delivered to the church at Corinth. He said, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, who is Peter, so another name for Peter there, and then seen by all twelve disciples. After that, He was seen by over five hundred brethren at one time, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And fallen asleep means they're, they're dead. They've died. That's all it means. It's a figurative way of saying they've died. Because they will rise again. They're not dead for good. Okay? And I said, this is the most important part in verse 7. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Okay? And then it says, then last of all, he was seen by me, talking about Paul, as one born at, out of due time. Okay? So he appeared specifically to James for some reason. Just James by himself. Not to the rest of his brothers, but James by himself. The only other people he appeared to by himself were Cephas, Peter, and Paul the Apostle. Peter was pretty important, wasn't he? He's like the leader of the disciples. If, of course, when Jesus is on earth, he's always putting his foot in his mouth, but uh, he was one of the most important disciples. And Paul, he was pretty important too. He, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was specifically called by God, had the Damascus Road encounter. He was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, reach people who were non-Jews. Okay? So James must have had some kind of important thing, role to fill here. Okay? Um, and then turn to Acts chapter 1. And we'll see uh, what happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, Jesus appeared to James, his brother, his half-brother, and then Jesus ascended into heaven, right? After 40 days of being seen by his disciples, he ascended into heaven at the beginning of the book of Acts, 
Then Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, we have all the followers of Jesus at that point in time in the upper room. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. So he's naming all the apostles here. There's only 11 left because Judas had hung himself by this point in time. And in verse 14 it says, He's all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So James had some kind of encounter with Jesus, and what happened? Now he's a follower of Jesus. Sometime between his encounter with Jesus, when Jesus appeared to him, after Jesus rose from the grave, and the day of Pentecost, he decided to start following Jesus. And so did his brothers. They started to believe in him. Now, I don't know what it was that made him do it. Maybe it was just the encounter with Jesus. Maybe it was something Jesus said to him. We don't have the conversation that Jesus had with James when he appeared to him. And we don't know James' conversion story. It's not listed anywhere. Okay? And James was actually named, nicknamed James the Just. The Just. Uh, because, first of all, there's lots of James in that day and age. And, and James is really synonymous with the, with the name Jacob. And that was really common in, the, uh, in Israel, in the Jewish people. Okay? Called James the Just because of his righteous, blameless life. He had the holy life. Okay? He was actually the first bishop which basically means the first leader of the church of Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem, the, the geographical location of Jerusalem, he was the leader of that church. Turn to Acts chapter 12, and I'll show you from the Bible how we know he was a leader. And then I'm going to read to you from a, a, a book called Eusebius' Early Church History, and how he records some things that happened during that period of time. Acts 12, 17. This is after Peter was in jail, he got released from jail. He's knocking the door. They don't believe he's there. The, the girl opens the door. It's like, ah! She closes the door on him. And Peter's here. They all go and see he's there. And the first thing he says, uh, motion, in Acts 12, 17, but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, because they didn't want to get in trouble and he persecuted anymore, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So he's saying James, because what is James? He's the leader. He'll get the word out. I've been released. Your prayers have been answered. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 15 and verse 13. Now, when we were studying the book of Galatians, we studied this thing in Acts 15. The Jerusalem council about the Jew and Gentile issue. Should Gentiles be circumcised to be saved? That was the question. And in Acts 15, after Peter had spoken... And then Paul and Barnabas had spoken. Now, who speaks next? The leader of Jerusalem, Acts 15, 13. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. He's speaking with authority. He's saying, you better listen to me. I'm the bishop here. I'm the authority here. Listen to me. I'm going to make the final decision on this. He's the leader, basically, of the Jewish church as a whole. And then Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9. <clears throat> and we'll start in verse 7 here. Galatians 2, 7. But on the contrary, this is Paul talking here, when they saw the gospel of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, had been committed to me as the gospel of the circumcised, the Jews, was to Peter, 
For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostles to the circumcised also worked effectively in me for the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars. Now, what's a pillar? Jenna? That's right, hold up the building. It's a strong uh, pole. And, and James and Cephas and John, now we got Cephas and John. We already know they're, they're part of the top three. Because when, when Jesus brought his disciples aside, a small group, who did he bring with him? John, James, and Peter, right? Like the transfiguration of Jesus on the mount when Moses and Elijah appeared. Who, who was there with him? James, John, and Peter. Okay, but the other James is dead, right? He's, he's been martyred. But now we have James, the apostle, James, the half-brother of Jesus, stepping into leadership position. Okay? That's what, so he's saying, I perceive them to be pillars. So we know that James is in a leadership position in the church. Now in verse 12, it says, uh, verse 11, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. This is talking about Paul's encounter with Peter, when Peter sinned. Okay? For certain men, for, before certain men came from James... So all these things relating to the church in Jerusalem, James the leader, James speaking up, uh, James being appeared to by Jesus, perceiving him to be a pillar. You know? So these are all things that show that he was in a leadership position in church. Now he was martyred around 62 A.D. at the Passover. Now I want to switch for a second to this, something called Eusebius. Eusebius lived around the 4th century A.D., around the 300s A.D., he was the first person to write the church history from the beginning, from Jesus' time, up until his time, around 300 A.D., okay? And the version I have here is written by Paul L. Meyer, and I think it's probably the best version out there. Now I'm going to read you some things that he said in here that he records. This same James, who early Christians surnamed the just for his outstanding virtue, was the first to be elected the bishop, to the bishop's throne on the church in Jerusalem. Okay, so he's recording this, and he uh, records that from Clement of Alexandria's writings. And it says in Clement of Alexandria's writings, it says, Peter, James, and John, after the Savior's ascension, did not contend for the honor. Now this James right here is talking about James, the brother of John. Peter, James, and John, after the Savior ascended into heaven, did not contend for the honor of the bishop of Jerusalem, because they had previously been favored by the Savior, but chose James the just as a bishop in Jerusalem. See, they distinguish between James and James the Just. And then later on, he says in the same book, he says, um, Now there were two Jameses, one James the Just, who was thrown down from the parapet of the temple and beaten to death with a fuller's club, and the other, the James who was beheaded. The James who was beheaded was James, the brother of John. In Acts 12.2, we read that a little bit, Acts 12.2. But James the Just, a half-brother of Jesus, was thrown down from the parapet of the temple and beaten to death with a fuller's club. Let me explain to you what a parapet is here. Okay? Let's imagine we have a roof here, kind of like this. Not a, real, not a real steep roof, but a roof like that. And then there's a ledge right here with a vertical area here, kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like a balcony kind of thing. This right here would be the parapet. Okay? So what Clement of, of Alexandria recorded is that James is up here, not a very good drawing, I know. He's up here, and uh, he's on the parapet of the temple. And we'll read what he was doing here in a second. And he was thrown down, this is pretty high now, thrown down from here, down to the ground. He didn't die, 
and then he was beaten to death with a foolish club. Okay, now a foolish club, I, I searched forever trying to find a picture of this thing. Okay, I couldn't find a foolish club. But, I'll tell you this, a fuller is someone who is working with laundry and is beating the laundry with a club. Pam, pam. So, it must have been a pretty hard thing. And uh, let me just read to you the, the, uh, the account from Hagesippus. I know it's a long name. It's a hard name to read, but Hagesippus, uh, who, who came in the generation after the apostles. So he was, in the, he was right after the apostles, Hagesippus was. Okay, so when Paul appealed to Caesar, remember when they tried to kill Paul? And Paul, Paul said, oh, I'm a Roman citizen. And who did he appeal to? To Caesar. He said, I want to see Caesar. And that way the Jews couldn't kill him. And they were pretty angry about that. The Jews were disappointed in their hope regarding the plot they had devised against the Apostle Paul and turned against James now. That tells you something. Once again, he was some kind of leader. Okay? The Lord's brother, to whom the bishop's throne in Jerusalem had been assigned by the Apostles. He was universally deemed the most righteous of men because of the heights he had reached in philosophy and religion. Festus, who was the, the leader in Jerusalem at that point in time, Festus is his name, he had just died, leaving the province of Jerusalem without government, without a leader for their government in that area. So the new uh, Jewish high priest took advantage of this. He saw there was no leader. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's what happens when you have no rulership. Imagine if there was no cops around here. What would happen? People would do what they want to do. There's no law, they do what they want to do. So the law was gone, he had died, that Rome hadn't replaced him yet. And um, so this is what happened. Tell us a little about James first. He drank no wine or liquor and ate no meat. No razor came near his head and he did not anoint himself with oil and took no baths. And this is all righteous stuff in the Jewish people's eyes. Okay? According to the Jewish religion, those are righteous things to do. All right? He alone was permitted to enter the sanctum, for he wore not wool, but linen. He used, to, he used to enter the temple alone and was often found kneeling and imploring forgiveness for the people, so that his knees became hard like a camel's from his continual kneeling in worship of God and in prayer for the people. Because of his superior righteousness, he was called the just. He was a holy man, a man of prayer, a man of worship. Okay? And now this is what happened. So the scribes and Pharisees saw the influence James had. And now the Passover feast was coming. Okay? Passover feast celebrates what? What does it celebrate? Passover in Egypt. That's right. The Passover in Egypt. Now what happened during the Passover? God was bringing his wrath upon the Egyptians. And what did he tell them to put on the, the doorpost so they can be protected? The lamb's blood. So we're celebrating Passover here, which is what Jesus was. He was the Passover lamb. The literal Passover lamb, okay? And all these people, all these Jews are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. People from all around the world who had gone out into the world, they're coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. And um, so the Pharisees and scribes saw James' influence and said, you need to deny Jesus in front of all these people and then they'll stop following Jesus. So they sent him to the parapet during the Passover feast. All the people down here just filled with people. And they shouted to him, O righteous one, talking to James, whom we all ought to believe, so the people are going astray after Jesus, who was crucified. Tell us, what does the, the door of Jesus mean? The door of Jesus. 
He replied with a loud voice, Why do you ask me about the Son of Man? He is sitting in heaven at the right hand of the great power, and he will come on the clouds of heaven. Many were convinced and rejoiced at James' testimony, crying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Then the scribes and Pharisees said to each other, We made a bad mistake. We sure did. And providing such opportunity for James to speak to all these people. So, but let us go up and throw him down so that people will be afraid and not believe in him. And they cried out, oh, oh, even the just one has gone astray. Okay? So they went up and threw down the righteous one. Then they said to each other, let us stone James the just. Because he didn't die. He was down on the ground, probably in lots of pain, but he did not die. And they began to stone him since the fall had not killed him. But he turned and knelt down, saying, I implore you, O Lord, God and Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. While they are pelting him with stones, one of the priests cried out, Stop! What are you doing? The righteous one is praying for you. Then one of them, a laundryman, took the club that he used to beat out clothes and hit the just on the head. Such was his martyrdom. They buried him on the spot by the temple, and his gravestone is still there by the temple. He became a true witness to both Jews and Gentiles that Jesus is the Christ. So he was buried right there before the temple. His gravestone was there. We don't know if it's there today. I mean, this, this, is, this guy, Hegespus, is writing around uh, the second century, so in the 100s AD. And we know now the Dome of the Rock is there. The Muslim temple is there. So the Jewish temple is gone now. So we don't know. I mean, obviously his gravesite is still there somehow. There's probably no gravestone marking where it is. So this is the full account given by Hegespus, which, in, which is in agreement with Clement of Alexandria. So extraordinary a man was James, so esteemed by all for righteousness, that even the more intelligent of the Jews, who weren't Christians, thought that this was the, se this was the reason why the siege of Jerusalem immediately followed his martyrdom. Indeed, Josephus himself said this, These things happened to the Jews as retribution for James the Just, it was a brother of Jesus who, call, who was called Christ, for the Jews killed him despite his great righteousness. So they're saying is, in 70 A.D., okay, 70 A.D., there was a siege in Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem was attacked by Roman forces. And what happened in 70 A.D.? The temple was destroyed. And they haven't had a temple since then. Okay? So the temple was destroyed. And that happened, when did James die? 62 A.D. And many Jewish people believe that because of how they treated James the Just, he was a righteous man, a godly man, the way they threw him down from the parapet, they tried to stone him to death and they clubbed him to death, they, they said that God was bringing vengeance upon them for killing one of his people. Even Jewish people who aren't believers believed that back then. So it tells you a little bit about his life. That he was so godly and so holy that people would say such a thing about him. Okay, let's, let's look at who it was written to. So you're you learning about James, the person writing this, and what his life is like. And you see he's called James the Just. Now we'll see through the book of James how, how godly and righteous is, how hard of words he had for the people. So who was this, this book written to? Well, you just have to read the first verse to see who it was written to. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. So he says, uh, twelve tribes. Who are the twelve tribes? 
Anyone? The 12 tribes. Who, who had 12 tribes? Jenna? I'm sorry. Daniel? Well, the 12 tribes, that, that's, that, I mean, that's could be correct, but 12 tribes of Israel, right? Jacob had 12 children. They were the 12 tribes. They're, the families of the 12 children of Jacob are what made up the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation. So he's writing to the Jews, but he's not just writing to Jews in general. He's writing to Christian Jews. Christian Jews. Okay, and we'll see that as we go throughout it. Okay, and that's what his ministry was. His ministry was to the Jews. We read from Galatians a few minutes ago, where Paul the Apostle said that, that God had worked, the Holy Spirit worked effectively in him to the ministry of the Gentiles. He worked effectively in Peter to the ministry of the Jews. Now, if he is a bishop in Jerusalem, who do you think he's ministering to more, Jews or Gentiles? If James is a bishop of Jerusalem, where the Jewish religion started, who do you think he's ministering to more, Jews or Gentiles? That's right. That's right, he's ministering to Jews. And that, that's what his ministry is too. This book was probably written either uh, between the early 40s and early 60s A.D. Now, he died in 62, so obviously written before then. Okay, but most people think he was written in the early 40s. And if this was written in the early 40s, it's the, it's the earliest book of the New Testament we have. It's the earliest book we have. Before any of Paul's epistles were written, before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written, before Acts was written, this was written first, if that date is correct. Okay? Um, and it was also, we know, we know it's probably in the early 40s because that council in Jerusalem in, eight, in Acts 15, where they're talking about the Jews and Gentiles, that happened around 49 A.D. And we think it happened before that because he doesn't mention that council in the book of James at all. That's a really important event. Talking about the Jews and Gentiles, and the Gentiles will need to be circumcised to be saved. So a pretty important event. It was written after the martyrdom of Stephen, when the church at Jerusalem was scattered. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Now we saw in James 1.1, to the twelve tribes who are scattered abroad. Acts chapter 8. Now after Saul, who later became Paul, the apostle, stood beside Stephen while he was stoned to death, we're going to see what happened to the church in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Now Saul, who was later called Paul, was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was, in, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So all the believers were scattered. And who is James writing to? The scattered twelve tribes of Israel. Okay? The scattered. So he's writing to the scattered twelve tribes of Israel. And they scattered, and, and the scattering is a good thing. And you want to know how good it is? Turn to uh, verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. So persecution is a good thing sometimes. If they weren't persecuted, they would have stayed right in Jerusalem when they went out into the world and preached the gospel. But God allowed persecution to happen. They scattered and the word of God went forth into, what did Jesus say? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's where he wanted them to go. Okay, so it's, it's scattered abroad. This uh, epistle is often called a general epistle. I write that on the board here. It's called a general epistle because of the fact that it's not written to a certain city. Now, Paul the Apostle wrote to the church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the church at Thessalonica, 
the church at Philippi. Paul wrote to individuals, Timothy, Titus, Philemon. He wrote to those people, okay? But James here, is he writing to a certain city? No. Those scattered abroad. Uh, is he writing to a certain individual? That's why it's called a general epistle. So it's a general epistle. It's written to a certain group of people, but they're all scattered all over the place, so it's not written to a certain location. Okay, so it's a general epistle. James chapter 2 and verse 23 is quoted by Irenaeus. The book of James is also quoted by Clement of Rome and Hermas. So it's quoted very early on. And the reason I say this is because there's certain people who think the book of James doesn't belong in the Bible. Okay? Uh, and I'll get to Martin Luther here in a minute. But, um, yeah. but he was quoted by Irenaeus. Irenaeus was a uh, second or third century church father. And Clement of Rome was first century. He was appointed to the, to the seat at Rome uh, by Paul the Apostle himself, we believe. Okay, so he's quoted by Clement of Rome and Hermas. Hermas is around 150 A.D. Now, they don't give reference to, say, James chapter 2, verse 5. Because they, they didn't have chapters and verses back then. And they didn't even say, this is written by James. But it's, it's just a, exactly what we have in the book of James. So it must be quoted from him. Okay, and if you read James 2.23, it's something that's not found anywhere else in the Bible. So it had to have come from James 2.23. It says, uh, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. And this is the most important part here. And he was called the friend of God. Now the part, Abraham believed God, that, that's from the Old Testament. So that could have been quoted and it would have been fine. We wouldn't know it's from James. But he was called the friend of God. That part right there is found nowhere in the Bible. It's right here. Okay, so James 2.23 is quoted by Irenaeus. And then Clement of Rome and Hermas seem to uh, quote from him as well. The scattered in verse 1 could also just mean uh, the people from Acts chapter 2. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 and verses 8 through 11. So it, the, the scattered in James 1.1 1, 1 could refer to people who are scattered because of Stephen's persecution, Stephen's martyrdom, and the church's persecution in Jerusalem. Or it could also mean these people who we're seeing in Acts chapter 2 and verse 8 through 11. And this is the day of Pentecost. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So we have all these people who are Jews. And they're coming into Pentecost, Coming into Jerusalem, they had Pentecost to celebrate Pentecost. So there's Jews scattered all over the place. So it could be talking about these guys. Now, what happened on this day? Well, to see what happened, let's, let's go to, uh, let's see, how many got to say that day? Oh, verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. And those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So out of those who heard in Acts 2, 8 through 11, from these different regions... 3,000 of those people got saved on the day of Pentecost. Do you think they all of a sudden decided to move to Jerusalem? No, they went back to their homes. So James is writing to the people probably from here and the people who were scattered because of Stephen's martyrdom and the persecution that followed it. So James is writing to the Jewish believers who were scattered abroad, those who are living outside of Israel. 
Now Martin Luther, you probably remember his name maybe from our study on Calvinism. He was a, one of the Protestant reformers who uh, posted his 95 thesis on the Catholic Church door. And he separated from the Catholic Church and, and what we have, Protestants today. Now, what, what word do you, let me just write the word Protestant on the board here. And the children can tell me uh, what word we get from uh, Protestant here. All right. Which, uh, which word do we get from Protestant there? Did you say it for the children? Or yeah, for the children. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's all right. We get the word protest here, okay? So uh, Martin Luther started this protest uh, against the Catholic Church because of some of the doctrines they were believing in. So he was one of the founders of the Protestant movement. All right? Now, Martin Luther didn't like the book of James. He called it an epistle of straw. Now, in the Bible, we have this... Oftentimes, we have these things relating. We have gold and silver and fine jewels and rubies and then straw. So when you compare gold and silver to straw and you light all of them on fire, do you lose any value in the gold and it gets lit on fire? No. In fact, it gains value because you're burning all the dross. Remember that word dross? Burning all the impurities out of it. Same with silver. Same with rubies. But when you burn up straw, what do you get? You get ashes. You get ashes. It's worthless now. Straw will be worth something when it's not burnt. But straw when it's burnt is worth nothing. Worth nothing. So when, when Martin Luther said, well, John, his writings, and the book of you know, Ephesians and Galatians, and, and Peter's first, uh, first letter, first epistle, those are like gold, but James is like straw. What is he saying about James? He's not worth much to him. Now, he's not saying it's not inspired, it's belonging to the Word of God, but he doesn't like it. And you have to understand what Martin Luther is going through here. Martin Luther started this movement where he said, you're justified by faith alone, or by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So he started this movement by faith alone. And James chapter 2 talks a lot about works. That faith alone doesn't save you. That you must have works. So the Catholic Church would use the book of James over and over again to try to prove... Martin Luther wrong. So the book of James, from, James from, uh, from Martin Luther's point of view, was a thorn in his side. He didn't like it. Rubbed the hand, he probably would have got rid of it. If he was on the council that, you know, that, and I see it, he probably said, no, get the James, book of James out of here. We don't want the book of James. Because it, was, it, was in, it doesn't talk a lot about justification by faith alone. Because guess what? That faith can't be alone. Otherwise, you have dead faith. <laughs> But personally, I think it's one of my favorite books. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. I really like this book. Let me just kind of give you a general overall theme in this book before we get into it next week. The general overall theme is living the Christian life. Living the Christian life. Okay? It's very similar to 1 John in many ways. Living the Christian life. It gives you a lot of tests to see if someone who says they're a Christian, if they really are a Christian. Because is someone a Christian because they say they are? Mm. They're a Christian because they prove to be one. And just like the book of 1 John goes through a bunch of tests and says, if you do this, you're this. If you don't do this, you're this. If you do this, you're this. James is the same exact thing. But James is more focusing on the Jewish believers. He's, he's writing directly to them. It's a very straightforward book. James doesn't beat around the bush. Uh, he doesn't give long, drawn-out arguments. He gives short 
pithy statements that get right to the point. Uh, if you don't keep a tight ring in your tongue, your religion is worthless. That's pretty straightforward. That's pretty hardcore. Uh, so he says things like that. He says things like, uh, adulterers and adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You know, he says, uh, uh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lament and mourn and weep. He's a pretty strong preacher. In fact, in my mind, if he was alive today, he'd make a really good open-air preacher. He's a lot of things in common with the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is very straightforward, very short statements, but very good statements, very strong statements. And as we go through this book, you'll see that the, he, he's almost paralleling the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5 through 7. This is Jesus' or his, or, or his best recorded sermon that we know of, Matthew 5 through 7. And he, he just basically goes along with it and is preaching almost from it, the Sermon on the Mount, which is good. It's his brother. And here's some topics we'll probably get to in our study of the James, James epistle here. Trials, tribulations, and persecution. Temptation. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about hearing and obeying the Word of God. We'll talk about loving impartially. Impartially. The relationship between faith and works. We'll talk about one of the most powerful human muscles there is. We'll talk about wisdom. We'll talk about unity. We'll talk about pride and humility. Riches and the rich. Patience. We'll all use a little more of that, I guess. Prayer. And we'll talk about losing your salvation. Of course, this might not be in the right order here, but... Um, but we'll touch on each of these subjects as we go, hopefully, as we go through the James epistle. Alright, so that's the introduction to the, the epistle of James. And what does the word epistle mean again? Letter. Letter, okay. Who are the twelve tribes? Jenna? The sons of Jacob. The sons of Jacob, which makes up Israel. Okay, makes up Israel. But this, when he's writing to the twelve tribes scattered abroad, he's writing to the Jewish believers, not Jewish unbelievers. And this is called a general epistle. Why? Jenna? Because they're scattered. They're not in a, a local place. That's right. He's not writing to a specific location or a specific person. He's writing to a general group of people. So he wanted this to be passed around. He didn't send it to one city and want it to stay there. Like when Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, he wanted it to be passed around to all the Jewish believers so they can all be edified by what he's saying here. Okay? And James is the half-brother of Jesus. What was his nickname? James the... Daniel? Just. Why would you call James a just? Sarah? That's right. He was holy. He was righteous. He was a man of prayer, a man of worship. Now, what happened to him? Why did he die in AD 62? Jenna? Because they put him on parapet. I'll, I'll put it up here for you so you guys can uh, understand what it looks like here. That's a parapet. That's right. That's great. You heard most of it there. That's good. And uh, was there someone who didn't like what they were doing to him? Daniel, yeah. And what, what did they say when, when he was, they, were, they were trying to stone him? He said, look, he's praying for you. He's praying for you. The righteous one is praying for you. Stop stoning him. Isn't it ironic that Jesus said the same thing on the cross? 
forgiven for they don't know what they do. Didn't Stephen say something similar? Yeah. So it happens oftentimes that these men die in a godly fashion. They're not resisting these men from killing them. They're not trying to hurt them back. They're simply taking what God has given them. Because God the, has the power of life and death, not us. And we have no right to take in our hands. If God's time for us to die, then we need to let ourselves die. Maybe God will use it in some magnificent way. Look at the way God used Stephen's death. He scattered people abroad and then preached the gospel all over the place. So God has a purpose for it. Oftentimes people will, will say this man named Keith Green, who was a mighty man of God, he lived in the early 80s, died at the age of 28, three years younger than me. And people often wonder, why did God do that? But look how much God's used his ministry since he died for the glory of God. So there's always a, a purpose in that. Okay, so that's the, that's the overview of the book of James, and uh, the epistle of James. And uh, we'll get to, into the chapter 1 next week. But this will set a good foundation for you to understand what the rest of the book is talking about, who he's talking to, what the situation is, so you can keep those things in mind when we're reading this book. Does anyone have any questions? Or any comments? Feel free to speak up. Brother John? The, uh, when you mentioned the Mount of Transfiguration, which James was there with, with Peter and John? That was James, the brother of John. Yeah, when he had the first, when he had the twelve, the original twelve, the top three apostles were James, the brother of John, John, and Peter. So when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, and they needed to pick a bishop or a leader of Jerusalem, neither one of, they weren't fighting over it. They were the top three. They weren't fighting over it, though. So they named James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, the bishop of Jerusalem. And he was there the day of Pentecost in Acts, in Acts chapter 1. Uh, remember, Jesus appeared to him, and him alone, a special appearance. We saw that in 1 Corinthians 15. So he was, he was obviously set aside for something here. Otherwise, why would Jesus... I mean, the only two people Jesus appeared to individually were Peter and Paul. They were both called for something special. Peter to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles, now we have James. So, the first bishop of the first church in Jerusalem. And he held that position from that time until the time he died in AD 62, probably about 30 years he held that position. Which, as I, in the back of Eusebius' book here, he gives a list of all the bishops of the four major churches. Jerusalem, Antioch, Alexandria, and Rome. And after... After James, I mean, you can see James right here. There's James. He went for that period of time. And then Simeon went for this long period of time. A guy named Simeon. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. And then after Simeon, you can see in Jerusalem, you didn't hold it for very long. I don't know if it's because of persecution. I mean, just bam, 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 bam. All of them, look at these other ones. They have one, two, three, four, and they have like about 20 here. So I don't know if it's because of persecution or what it's because, but, but James, besides his pers the person who followed him, he held it for the longest. All right. Any other questions or comments? I just wondered, uh, sure. why didn't James, uh, let's say Paul mm -hmm. says, I, well, how did he put that, he wanted to talk to Caesar? He, wanted to he appealed to Caesar. He appealed to Caesar. Why didn't James, because James was also a Jew, no, he wasn't a Roman citizen, though. Oh, yeah. Paul was a Roman citizen. Oh, I see. Okay. So Paul appeared, appealed to, C to Caesar, um, and God had revealed to him that he would speak to Caesar anyway. Mm -hmm, yeah. So this was kind of fulfilling a prophecy by him appealing to Caesar. 
But that made the Jews mad, and the Jews decided to go for the next best person in their eyes. I mean, really, James is a leader there. Paul isn't even a leader there. But they went after Paul because what was Paul doing before he got saved? He was persecuting the church. If someone goes from persecuting the church to being a part of the church, that's going to make people think, what is going on here? This must be something real going on here. If someone who is killing people or putting them in jail becomes one of their followers. So if you can take him out, you can do a lot more damage than even taking out the leader of the church in Jerusalem. It's just like anybody that's uh, in the world today. Right. Drunks and so on like that. All sure. It'd, it'd be like uh, someone who's like uh, really deep into rock music or heavy metal music and they get saved. And they used to do drugs and used to be a devil worshiper. And they get saved and all their devil worshiping friends, all their rock star friends, like what is going on here? There's something real going on. It starts bringing them over to the light from the darkness. Yeah, so Paul the Apostle probably had a really big impact on the people in that area.